Hello and welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast, episode 88. As you will notice, if you usually watch this on video, this is not a video podcast again this week. So, I'll explain why. <laughs> I was <laughs> accidentally, believe it or not, need in the eye very, very hard. And I have a very big black eye and three stitches right in my eye socket. <laughs> now, how could you possibly do that accidentally? Well, I was, I've been doing BJJ, Jiu-Jitsu, for about a year now. And yeah, it just happened whilst we were quote-unquote rolling and, you know, some guy was going pretty hard, taking it pretty seriously and accidentally slipped and really cracked me in the eye socket. So, I, you know, we do the videos portion of the podcast as the main purpose of us doing it is to create clips um, that we could possibly uh, put back into the course, right? And I don't really want a big black-eyed version of Luke in, in the course forever. So in a couple of weeks, I'll come back and you'll see me with maybe a little plaster or something. And unfortunately, I will probably, no, not probably, definitely have a lovely little scar right below my eye. So uh, hopefully that will distract from the ever-receding hairline and the hairline in turn will distract from the scar and it will be some sort of beautiful uh, synergy there. We'll see, we'll see. But not important, guys. I just didn't want to, uh, I just didn't see the need in doing a video because it's like, well, I don't want that out there forever. Everyone looking at that, like, why the hell has Luke got a black eye suddenly in this random video? <laughs> so... Um, I think a plaster will be acceptable. Anyway, I will promise to be more careful in the future. So this week, uh, we're going to skip the grammar lesson and just go straight into the comments and emails. Uh, so the first one we have is from Danielle Roma on how to integrate Chinese characters, vocabulary and grammar. This is a lesson from our free e-course, the Rapid Acquisition Crash Course. If you haven't taken our classes and you don't really know what we're about, um, well, you could always start a free trial, but if you wanted to sort of know about our um, sort of methods and uh, our methodology rather, and our backstories, um, the Rapid Acquisition Crash Course can be found on our homepage. You can just sign up uh, or from our resources page on our website. And it's about one hour long and it's rather concise, lots of info in there. Anyway, so Danielle says, I like the flow of the lessons and I'm excited to continue learning. It is going to be quite a journey. I'm happy to be able to speak English, Spanish, French, and Haitian Creole, but none of them has the kind of vocabulary and character letters that Chinese has. That stresses me a little. Thank you for the reassuring way you're teaching Mandarin. Well, you've got us beat. <laughs> Definitely beat us there. It's four languages. We've only got two each. So um, and Chinese really isn't that scary or intimidating at all, um, especially with our method. Once you, once you sort of get over the hurdle of, of characters, it's really not that tough. Character is just the main, the main hurdle that everyone's facing. Um, so best of luck, uh, Danielle. Hope you give it a shot, uh, and please let us know how it goes. Uh, Dawn Shannon, again on the same uh, lesson, says Luke and Phil. A few years back, I first discovered you on Udemy and enrolled in your free course, which was about seven hours. It's no longer available, but I own it forever in my library. You guys really love to teach. Your love and enthusiasm for the language and for its for people is evident in your words and the content of these videos. And yes, I'm enjoying the blueprint method. Thanks. That's brilliant. Yeah, we put uh, pronunciation mastery up there a while back just to sort of get some 
just to get out there a little bit. Um, and then I took it off once we started selling it um, on, on our own platform. So, but uh, yep, yeah, you've, you've got it um, forever. And now you've got access to the full course as well, which is brilliant. So I'm glad you're doing well with that, Dawn. Really appreciate it. And yes, we do love to teach. It's awesome. It's our favorite thing. Um, we love talking about Chinese and talking in Chinese and meeting Chinese people. Uh, Mason on how to make living links. This again is the rapid acquisition crash course. He just says, I just need to say thank you for this course so far. In addition to learning Chinese itself, learning to use memory palaces will be an invaluable skill set um, for the rest of my life. Before I thought even mnemonics were silly and my brain just didn't work like that or needed help to rem remember things. I thought I would be able to remember it just from brute memorization or rote memorization, and that was the fastest way. This course has opened my eyes and made me reevaluate re how I will learn things in the future. Fantastic, look at that. I fully plan on trying to apply memory palaces to my future learning endeavors. Before, when learning words and characters, if I didn't know anything, that was it. My only recourse was to try to think harder, forcing it in, basically, yeah. Using the hands and moving method, I have a system in place to help me retrieve that missing information. Like Luke, I avoided learning characters for far too long, and it did seriously hinder my learning. Uh, another great thing about this method is that I am able to write a character I have never written before. Trying to learn to write characters with traditional methods is just incredibly inefficient and frustrating. Again, right, rote learning. It's, it's, it's awful. Uh, I'm very jealous of everyone who gets to start their journey using Mandarin Blueprint. Thanks very much for that. That's insightful and just really nice. Um, so thanks, Mason. Um, I'm sure you're going to do really, really well with our course. Dennis uh, just says on the pronunciation course, the one of the four of the seven problem initials in the language, we call them problem initials, the ones that don't exist, or at least the sounds don't exist in English. He says, after a few years of learning Chinese by myself on and off, this is mind-blowingly useful. Pure revelation. <laughs> I think he's referring to me talking about uh, just the, the tongue position of these four sounds. Uh, and for anyone that hasn't taken the pronunciation mastery course yet, um, it's, you know, the, these four sounds, the ZH, the CH, the SH, and the R, are actually all identical in terms of tongue position. And especially the R, the R sound, it's, it gets treated as the most difficult and it gets treated separately from all the others for some reason, or at least in my experience. Whereas it's actually the easiest of all four because it's the, they're all the same sound. They're all the R, R sound, but the ZH has just got a J in front of it. The CH has got a CH in front of it and the SH has got a SH in front of it. So it's J, CH, SH, and R. <laughs> so actually R is the easiest one. It doesn't have anything preceding it. Um, so yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you found that, um, that, uh, found that useful. Thanks, Dennis. Uh, Dom Thompson on the new vocabulary unlocked for Mings, which means um, name. And he says, quite fun to actually see 你叫什么名字, which means what's your name in Chinese. When I tried a Coursera course from Peking University, this was lesson one, and it was just listening and repeating the characters uh, that were completely alien. It was also extremely boring, and I gave up very quickly. I imagine 你叫什么名字 
appears in chapter one of every Mandarin textbook. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. Yet here we are at character 289. MBM, the Mandarin Blueprint Method, works so differently from every other method I've come across. It seems crazy that I can read whole paragraphs now and haven't yet learned how to write the number five. <laughs> but it's working. Uh, building a solid foundation, endless recitation of the HSK1 vocab list. <laughs> uh, sorry, he's added a little, added a little uh, greater than uh, mark there. So building a solid foundation is better than endless recitation of the HSK1 vocab. Yeah, that's very similar to what Mason was saying. Um, yeah, rote learning doesn't work. Building a solid foundation based on uh, a solid foundation based on memory techniques, uh, visualization, mnemonics, um, and actual learning, uh, which essentially just means learning things you, you can't learn things properly without a foundation to build upon otherwise you're just cramming alien facts into your brain which in that they, they just won't stay there if you do it that way um that's why we learn the alphabet first before we learn anything else uh, in when we want to learn how to read english or our native language whatever that might be um why would chinese be any different right yeah thanks for that dom uh, much appreciated. It is weird, isn't it? I, and you're the first person that's put it that way, actually, uh, saying I, I can read entire stories and paragraphs in Chinese with fairly advanced vocabulary, but you know the number five still isn't there because it's just you know that's just the way we've calculated it based on um, uh, frequency, right? Uh, maybe we're being a bit too anal about that. Maybe we should include <laughs> include the number five a little bit earlier. But uh, I really appreciate your um, your insight there, uh, Stuart. I think his name's Stuart on level nine. Uh, he, he's just finished level nine, so he's making great progress. He says. I just wanted to take a moment to agree with other comments I'm seeing. At the start of this process, I was very interested in what you had said about this method of language learning. And I liked that you could explain and justify everything based on your own research and experiences. However, I was still slightly skeptical that I too would be able to achieve uh, the same sort of results as you described. Yeah, it does sound a little bit out there, you know, um, acquire 90% of, uh, sorry, 80% of Chinese in two months or, or, or you know, uh, acquire, uh, speak and read 94% of Chinese in six months, all this sort of stuff. I completely, Phil and I both completely understand why you'd be skeptical about that. Um, it has been a wonderful surprise to find that I remember so much when reviewing my Anki cards, almost everything with only occasional minor errors. I've learned that not only a great way to learn Mandarin and almost any language for that matter, but also to trust my memory and language learning instincts that this method provides. I was also skeptical that I would find it fun and feared that it would become a chore. Completely the opposite has happened. I look forward to learning new characters every day. Uh, and particularly enjoying reviewing my cards. Yes, the flashcards get really addictive. You've got to be careful with that. Uh, as the challenges of remembering like this, uh, sorry, remembering is like arranging and solving puzzles. So much so that I am spending more and more time studying this way. I'm so glad I chanced upon your method and courses. Thank you, Luke and Phil. Thanks a lot, um, Stuart. And that's another example of someone that's saying I can apply these memory techniques to other aspects of my life, which is very true. Um, I, again, I, I, Phil and I haven't explored that much. Like we haven't gone and, um, you know, learned many other, you know, much, uh, we haven't gone and learned other languages yet. Um, and we haven't, uh, like, but we have used it in certain circumstances. So for example, Phil and I have both done speeches 
to public audiences fairly often, I suppose, compared to the average person uh, in Chinese and English. And we both uh, like to use memory palaces or the journey method. Look that up if you like um, to memorize speeches. And if you're not sure what I mean, yeah, go ahead and look up the journey method. I believe it was, I don't want to say exactly which memory athlete made it, created it or made it famous, but I heard about it from um, uh, O'Brien. Um, what was it? Dominic O'Brien. Yes, Dominic O'Brien, the British eight-time world memory championship uh, winner. But this this method is tried and true, and it's out there, and it really works. So if you need to memorize a shopping list even, or anything from a shopping list to a, a sonnet or a poem or a uh, you know an entire speech, it works for anything, really. Okay, so let's go on to the next one. Oh, Dennis again on um, a grammar point. He just says, I really love how the structure of the course is organized. Very intuitive. Oh, thanks, mate. Really appreciate that. Yeah, so... Um, he's, he's on a grammar lesson, so I think he's referring to the idea that we, we teach pronunciation first, then components that lead into characters, that lead into compound words, that lead into sentences, that lead into, you know, longer form content, paragraph stories and grammar lessons and things like that. So I'm glad you're finding that useful. Uh, Fraser says, oh, he says, what a great course you guys have put together here. Sorry, I don't mean to be, I'm just put, um, we, uh, we pretty much read all comments i'm not just like arranging all the nice ones and deleting all the horrible ones um but uh and, and i only remove things that are completely irrelevant that no one would find at all interesting well maybe no one would find that interesting what i just said but hey i'm gonna put that in because i made the course ha. um so so uh the next one is from asa who by the way uh i'm, I'm really sorry asa I, I think i i believe that you are not a woman, you're a man, and I, I introduced you as, as a she, uh, and I apologize for that, I just don't know German names very well, I apologize. So um, he, he just says, I'd like to thank Phil for being relentlessly cheerful throughout these videos, <laughs> very encouraging. Luke, you're a champ too, no slag on you, haha, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Um, yeah, I know, like, I'm I'm sort of the, uh, the more relaxed, uh, boring one, as Phil's dad once said to me. <laughs> <laughs> we were I was on a, having an interview with, uh, we, we were having a meeting with Phil, and I, I introduced myself to his dad, and uh, I I was like, yeah, Phil's like the the American, the typical American, very sort of, you know, hey guys, you know, very motivating and stuff, and then his dad was just like, yeah, and you're the boring British one, <laughs> and I I can't really, you know, I'm not as exciting about uh, as Phil is, let's put it that way, um, so just a culture difference, I suppose. Uh, so thanks for that, Asa. Uh, Lamotta Augustus on set the scene for uh, EN. So that's where we choose a, uh, an actor. Let's set the scene, set the scene. That's where we choose a, a set, sorry. Uh, he says, fantastic. I'm really looking forward to working up to that level, HSK5. Uh, I've been studying Mandarin Chinese for many years and I've been trying to figure it out on my own. I have not taken college courses, but have taken other courses, both in person and with study material only. And I've done this on and off for several years. Yeah, that sounds really familiar. Lots of people have a similar start. I did, actually. Uh, early on in my studies, I learned Hanza, or Chinese characters, simultaneously with vocab because I primarily use, primarily use textbooks from mainland China, like practical Chinese reader, modern Chinese reader, etc. And later I purchased new practical Chinese reader all six volumes haven't finished them all yet 
So I have somewhat of an ability to converse, but not nearly as well as I think I should be able to at this stage in the game. I'm no spring chicken anymore, age-wise, so I'm really hoping your method does the trick. Uh, I'm more than ready to make some major progress in my studies. Not sure if I totally understand at this time how Anki works, uh, because I feel like I should be getting new words, characters or something, but it's always a review of earlier material. Yeah, you need to unsuspend your cards uh, manually. That's how we've designed the decks, so you can go at your own pace. Um, there's an Anki guide on the right sidebar of your lessons in, in any of our courses. Because I have so much prior experience, with the language it's a little torturous building the foundations with your hands and mnemonic techniques but i'm willing to go through all the basics in order to reap the benefits of your system you guys are obviously smarter than i have been on this journey looking forward to surpassing my previous plateaus that's awesome uh, attitude there and yeah yeah i completely understand as well like if you if i was at your level like an intermediate level and starting the course i'd be a little bit hmm you, you guys are teaching me the number one and the number 10 and <laughs> i did this like several years ago but um, you are also right to trust us that you just need to learn the method first. Um, if you search for the word, I don't know, I can't remember the exact title of the blog post, the article, but if anyone else is an intermediate listening and sort of wondering if our course might be for you, there's a, if you just, I don't, again, sorry, I don't know the title, but if you just search for the word intermediate in our blog, you'll find how to use the Mandarin Blueprint method or how to study as an intermediate, where to, you know, how to do it. Um, and it has some great tips in there. But uh, basically, yeah, it just we that's we we essentially suggest you go through our course until you've grasped the main techniques, and then just skip any lessons with characters you know. And when we say no, we mean really no. Like I can I can read this, uh, at least read it and pronounce it correctly without any issues, and preferably I can also write it. But that's not a hundred percent necessary. You know, writing's just a nice bonus, but in your career quote unquote as a chinese speaker you will very rarely be writing stuff by hand anyway um, especially for lazy like me so uh yeah anyway so yeah just um trust trust the plan trust the method but as soon as you think you've grasped the character learning technique and and uh and everything else that's involved in the method yeah go ahead and skip whatever lessons you like i'm sure you'll do great um la motta brilliant so the next is tj he says, I get so, capital S-O, excited when I get to one of the It's a Word videos. You guys rock. Yeah, because I, I can I completely understand that. That's why we put those in there. So uh, for those who don't know, the It's a Word lessons are, uh, so when you learn a character that is also a standalone word, like for example, to eat in Chinese is just chi. Um, but that's a character, right? And uh, But it's also a word with its own um, standalone meaning and a lot of characters are not words uh, so it's just nice to get that extra bonus it's like two birds with one stone right um, so yeah that's awesome uh, Natalia says on also on Mingzi the, the lesson for new vocabulary unlocked Mingzi 我和你看法不一样 oh sorry 我和你看法一样 um, I think the same as you or I you know my way of thinking is the same as yours I also can't believe I can write this sentence, but I don't know how to write the number five. <laughs> yes, is, she's replying to Dom. It's a completely different learning experience. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, fine. We'll put the number five in there earlier. <laughs> uh, awesome. Thanks, Natalia. Um, Alex summary on new vocabulary unlocked for moody, uh, which means uh, target, goal. Uh, he says, dang, 
I guessed rather too literally, thinking Moody would mean pupil, as in the center of one's eye. But yes, uh, purpose is rather more poetic, to be fair to the Chinese there. Yeah. Um, if you and again, if you look into the sort of uh, the, the characters involved in this, uh, Mu means eye, and uh, Di uh, means sort of uh, target, um, bullseye. You know, sort of like the thing you're aiming at. So, I, if, if I remember from memory, uh, if I remember correctly, so eye on the target. You know, that's purpose. You know, so. Um, yeah, some, but you'd be surprised, you know, Alex, a lot of the times you guess the meaning of a word that you've never seen before in Chinese. That happens very often, um, and, and you will guess correctly. So keep trying. Okay, there's the next one from Dom Thompson for Gong Ren, uh, New Vocabulary Unlocked, which means worker. Gong means work, and Ren means person, work person. He says, maybe this is my bias here, but I've always thought of employee, in quotes, as more white collar and worker as more blue collar. Is there a similar implication distinction in Chinese? Yes, absolutely. Gongren, when you think of a gongren, you think of someone in like overalls or in a, in a factory, you know, or uh, gongren um, is someone doing, yeah, someone doing sort of blue collar work, I suppose. You're absolutely right. Whereas an employee, I mean, you know, technically gongren are also employed by a company, so they're also an employee, but I know what you mean. Um, you're talking about staff or personnel, um, which is more yuan gong, yuan gong. Um, I should be able to get it up on the screen there for you. Um, so yeah, when you, th you know, he's a woman, do you gong? Like, uh, if you said our, our, you're talking about our staff, which is, yeah, more like a white collar thing, I suppose. Absolutely. Um, great. So, uh, next we've got Alex Chong on bonus principle versus reality in Mandarin. This is from the pronunciation course. He says, I've always wondered this. Why isn't standard Mandarin taught without the details of what is recognized as Beijing accent? For example, adding R to the sound. This, the R, R, like a uh, nar or nar or jar. Um, throughout writing systems, uh, writing seems unnecessary and something to learn after as a localized dialect or accent. I quite often see R indicated in textbooks. Is this likely just simply political as a result of Beijing being the capital and the place of the language regulation? No, um, no, it's R, R Hua, as is what they call it. Hua, as in the character for transform. R Hua. Uh, R Hua Yin. R Hua Yin, literally R, um, R Hua. Um, oh. <laughs> Arization, <laughs> that's basically, and then in means sound. So if you look that up, ar hua in, um, your it the r is in not just Mandarin. It's also in Beijing accent, or rather, it's not just Beijing. Uh, it is also in standard Mandarin, but that's probably because standard Mandarin is based off of a the specific dialect from Hebei, Chengde, uh, Chengde Shi. Uh, if you look at that, if you look up that city in Hebei, which is where my wife is from, Hebei province, is the origination, the original birthplace, if you like, of Mandarin. That's that specific dialect, that northern dialect, is what Mandarin is based upon, and it includes R in it. Now, um, you will see it in textbooks because that's standard Mandarin, but R is quite rarely, rarely in writing because it's it's very colloquial. Um, you'll, or it's rather colloquial. It is colloquial. It's not necessarily very colloquial. So um, you just won't see it much in writing. Um, 
because it's just more sort of spoken language. Um, and but you'll you'll find are in other dialects too. Like for example, even Sichuan Hua, Sichuan, which is the where where we live um, currently, and the Arhua is also Arhuayin is also in there. Like uh, the, the Sichuan thing is like to say they would say like Lao uh, Bar, you know, Lao instead of Lao Ban, like to call someone whilst they're in a restaurant, for example, they talk to the the to get someone to come over and help them give them some like order food or something like bar. so the Arhuayin is also in lots of other dialects um, I don't want to say lots of other dialects actually because I'm only aware of it being in Sichuan Hua because this is where I live I don't really have much experience of other dialects I'll just be completely honest but um, yeah so don't I, I, that's all I know really I don't want to talk any more about it because that's literally the end of my sort of knowledge about Arhuayin um, but uh, yeah Mandarin it sounds like it's it's definitely used a lot more in Beijing, the Beijing accent, um, but it's also used in standard Mandarin. Okay, the next one here is from Alex Chong on, it's one of our very old videos, actually. It's a bonus we put into the course, which is uh, an analysis of Xi. This is these uh, these series of videos. We only did like four of them, I think, or five, maybe six, um, where it's, we called it the power of Chinese characters, and we just sort of analyze a single character and uh, talk about all the words it's used in in order to elaborate on the usage, just like we talk about how to use a word by giving you example sentences instead of just talking about the word. And I, you know, it was inspired by a teacher, a professor that Phil and I had, which is already really good professor. If I, I can't speak for Phil, but is the only good teacher I remember from my university single semester that I managed to hack it for. Um, and it was he used to, he used to talk about characters, and we could just sit there and listen to him all day. It was brilliant. He was just so good, so knowledgeable. Uh, he would just come up with a character, and he'd talk about the very essence of that character, and all the different ways it's used. And it was just so enlightening because you know you started to realize that yes, characters have different meanings that seem completely different. You know, it can be used in all these different ways but the different ways it's used as long as the pronunciation is the same um it's not a doyinzi for example uh, we're talking about the same pronunciation um but it's used in all these different ways the ways it's used are often connected are usually connected to each other anyway go and check that out it's on our youtube channel the power of chinese characters um <laughs> the production values are pretty rubbish by our current standards but uh nonetheless interesting Anyway, um, Alex is on uh, the character for Xi, as in Xue Xi the Xi, um, and he says, uh, You're supposed to add a ma on the end there, I think. But uh, he says, So are you accustomed to eating spicy food? I'm actually curious about the answer because <laughs> we both live in Chengdu, Sichuan, as, as I mentioned, and it's famous for its delicious spicy food. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we. That's probably the question that we get asked most often by when we first meet locals here. Uh, they say, you know, where are you? Where are you from? How long have you been learning Chinese for? Your Chinese is good. Uh, welcome to Chengdu, all this sort of stuff. Oh, can you eat spicy food? Are you used to the spicy food? And I always say yes, but only to a certain point. And I'll be honest with you, even the locals here, they have lots of trouble. <laughs> I'm not going to go into any more detail, but there's only a certain amount you can get used to, uh, you know, hot pot which is essentially boiling food in cow fat that's really spicy and then dipping it in more oil and then eating it uh so there's only certain limits to the human body but yes 
overall, yes, and no problem. But I was used to it before I got here because I used to love, I still love Indian food anyway. So, um, awesome. Uh, next, we've got Heath Campbell. Pick a prop for Dong, which means middle. He says, I get confused with this step. Uh, so my movie was Geronimo, the Native American uh, leader being told he can't pass by someone with a big mouth and wearing thongs. <laughs> oh, 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 flip-flops. Okay, cool. Um, so Geronimo smacks him in the face right down the middle with a staff he's carrying. My confusion comes at having to make another prop to represent the character I just created. For Dong, I can live with the image of someone getting a smack in the middle of the mouth with a stick. Am I going about things the wrong way? Well, I'd never like to say wrong or right, but we're just talking about simpler, making life easier for yourself. So the reason why, um, so for example, you have two of these objects, there's some Australian guy or um, uh, someone with a big mouth, whoever that is, he represents the mouth prop, correct? And then you have a stick representing the stick prop, and they're hitting um, the stick's hitting the mouth, and that creates the idea of middle because it's hitting in the middle of the mouth. And that's a great scene, very simple scene over. Now we're going to uh, what do they call it? Oh, chunk that's the right word. I forgot that we're going to chunk that information together. So we're going to chunk these two objects into one single object of this entire character, Jong. Because the reason why we need to do that is, and the reason why it's worthwhile doing this is because Dong is going to be used not just as a character, but as a, as a component in many other characters. And so now what, we, what we've done, we've chunked that information together, the stick and the mouth, big mouth person into a single object, which is going to be a single object. It has to be a single object to make things simpler. So we could maybe choose a dartboard representing middle or Malcolm in the middle representing middle, whatever it is, a single object. Often this object is actually similar or the same as the object used in the scene to represent the character's meaning. But in this case, it isn't, right? You've used an action to represent the keyword meaning, the action of hitting the mouth in the mouth, in the middle. Um, but you don't want, yeah, so chunking is something that we do naturally. So like if you, back in the days when we used to actually have to remember phone numbers, a lot of people listening won't even remember that time, but we would lit, we would memorize phone numbers or even when you're just repeating a phone number back to someone, you repeat it in chunks of numbers, don't you? You say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, zero. You, that's how you say the number. You don't usually just read off in one long code. Now that is your brain chunking the information together because your brain can only handle, I think it's like four or five pieces of information in your working memory, which is your very, very, very short term memory that you, just whilst you're figuring out a problem, you have these um, bits of information there in order to figure out the problem right now, right? Um, I think I'm explaining this not too clearly, <laughs> but you get the idea. We're just trying to chunk the information together. And we do this a lot during the course. Um, and Jong will also uh, eventually be, you know, combined with other components to, and chunked into other props later on throughout the course. And the whole purpose is just to make it easier on your brain. So now you don't have to imagine a stick and a mouth. You just have to imagine a single object, a, a dartboard. Uh, another one from Heath uh, on the same character. Oh, he says, thanks for the prompt reply. So obviously we reply. We always reply to the comments that, that are direct questions. But the reason why we also read it in the podcast is because it might be useful for other people um, so that maybe don't 
read that specific comment on that specific lesson you see um so uh obviously we said basically what i said but probably in a much shorter and more succinct way um and then he says i actually read the other comments and tried to delete my comment oh sorry mate <laughs> i've just i've just gone on this big diatribe for you um but uh, you actually already understood it anyway before we even replied on the course um it's slowly making sense yes I think it's best for me to trust the instruction and be willing to give up what I think is best. Um, the method of teaching learning is breaking decades of learning habits, so I expect there will be more little pieces of friction. But I will endeavor to keep giving up control and trust your instructions each time I think WTF. <laughs> well, that's an, um, that's an incredibly rare um, level of humility, um, Heath, I've got to say. Um, I don't think I would be capable of that starting out in your position, but thank you very much um, for doing that. And obviously, yeah, you, uh, I'm glad that we've given you the impression at least that we we sort of know what we're talking about enough to trust us to that level. So that's that's awesome. I I, I assure you, you won't be disappointed. It does it it uh, it's, this you know the method's not perfect. Nothing's perfect, but it does work. Um, so thanks for giving it a shot. Um, Next, we've got Alex again. <laughs> this is great. This has made me uh, crack up a little bit. Uh, for the character Pung, which means fat, we've got a moon component on the left, and then we've got half, um, which, you know, again, ban. So it could be half of something, um, whatever that is, half, half a pint of beer, half an orange, whatever it is. And the character means Pung. And he just says, Elvis is my actor, <laughs> and my set is a bathroom. Apart from the moon prop, the rest sorts itself out. <laughs> that's great. I'm not sure what you mean by half. I guess you mean half pint of beer. Because, yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, anyone that knows about Elvis's story, uh, his life and death, will find that funny. Brilliant. So the next one is from Matthews. Uh, Matthews, sorry. Uh, he says, make a movie for uh, Ting, which means stop. So he says, what would be the difference between Ting and Zhu? So both mean stop, but it kind of relates to what I said earlier about it's a word lessons, remember? So lots of characters, all characters are morphemes. All characters contain a meaning and they denote a meaning or express a meaning, just like every single morpheme in English does. So if you take the word, and I always use this as an example. I saw this uh, years ago and I just always use it. I can't be bothered to think of a different example because it just works so well. So sorry about the repetition, guys. But the word unexpected in English, right? That's made of arguably three morphemes. So un, expect, and id, right? Un and id are um, morphemes. And expect is a morpheme. But un and id cannot, be st cannot stand alone. Although they definitely 100% contain meaning, they, they supply meaning to the word, they cannot stand alone as their own words. And that's it. Ting, or in the example I gave earlier, chi, to eat, or ting, meaning stop, are words. Whereas zhi, although it has the meaning of stop, it isn't used on its own to mean stop as an individual standalone word. Um, but it is used, I, I've seen it used uh, like on signage, for example, or in more formal, it's used as a component, meaning stop something. So like, for example, I, I've definitely seen that. I'm not sure if I'm, I always forget if I'm pronouncing it, is it or which meaning stop blood? 
um like to to there's a you know, to, to to like putting a thing over the over the wound to stop blood but it's used as sort of, i think it's a, compo- a compound word if not it's very formal anyway um literally uh, i saw this at the hospital recently um uh when my wife was giving birth uh they're in the public hospitals in China, the men are not allowed to go in with the women whilst they're giving birth or whilst they're in labor rather, only for the pushing part. Thankfully, we went for a, to a private hospital, but um, they have these big signs that say, uh, um, I can't remember the rest of them, but basically saying, means uh, step and means stop. So means stop walking. You don't get to pass this point, right? Uh, no more walking here. So, so basically, yeah, again, it's a very convoluted way of saying is only a, it's not a standalone morpheme and it supplies the meaning of stop within other compound words, whereas ting can just be used on its own. Ting, ting, ting. You can just say stop, 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 like that. So I hope that's clear, Matthias. If not, let me know. Uh, Heath Campbell, bonus from failure to HSK6 exam in one year. It's very interesting to hear that there are niche markets in China that need Westerners. It makes sense, but I'm sure it hasn't occurred to many of us. Is there an organization there that reaches out for Westerners? I, I thought about this and, you know, I... I I learned Chinese uh, and then I just sort of gradually just, you know, I, I was teaching English and I gradually just started teaching Chinese and, and, and how to, or rather how to learn Chinese more specifically. But uh, I think that, um, you know, I think that there's lots of opportunities out there. I really had to think and I asked a couple of my friends, like um, if you've, like one of our older podcast episodes had our good friend Scott in it and he's just used Chinese to just, you know, he, I, 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 you know, he's just smashing it. Let's just put it that way. He's got, he's got many different investments in different businesses. Um, he's got fantastic Chinese. He does hosting and all this sort of stuff. And I just asked him, I was like, what would you, how would you answer this question? Um, and <laughs> his first question was, his, his first answer was just like, well, uh, which is something I thought of as well, which is just like, well, if you wanted to go the, you know, the standard route of, say, teaching English in China, for example, um, you, you know, if you want to go any further than that within te- within teaching English, you know, if you want to get managing management positions and things like that, and you want to go up the ladder, as it were, then, you know, having Chinese skills will be, I would say, a necessity for that. Um, if not a necessity, it would really, really help. Um, and then just obviously just being very general about it, having Chinese on your CV is just awesome in general. But it depends on what, I guess it depends on what um, what specific area you're into. But it's kind of like how universities, they mainly look at what sort of hobbies you have, really. They're like, oh, what sort of hobbies do you have? And they, they judge your, your, your personality by that. So if you're into, say, for example, sailing um, or horse riding and these sorts of... Um, uh, dangerous you know sp- sports that involve a lot of active like mental activity and responsibility that you have to do on your own that looks amazing um it's like oh this person has some sort of fortitude blah blah, blah. it's the same with chinese like even if you're going for an en- engineering job oh this guy has hsk6 in chinese so he must be he must have a certain level of uh uh you know dedication self-discipline intelligence whatever it is so 
that's a more general area but also um you know if you go to the every single major western or non-chinese corporation has some sort of presence in china and therefore there's always going to be opportunities um so for example uh you know there's also there's there's and the other way around is also true you have chinese companies that have some sort of presence in western countries so for example alibaba have placements uh, specifically for foreigners that have minimum Chinese fluency requirements. Wanda Group is now the biggest owner of cinema portfolio developments in the USA. Uh, I mean, again, English teaching brands like i2, Metin, etc. Chinese speaking managers. Uh, any Fortune 500 company <laughs> has presence in China. So every single car brand, for example. Uh, you want to get a job in China? for a western country uh, having chinese skills would be amazing um you know uh, as long as you're you know just be clear of what your specialty is going to be uh what your your market you're most knowledgeable about or what company you'd like to work for and check out their china operations and proactively reach out to them on the basis that you have the professional skills and experience in that specific industry plus Chinese Mandarin Chinese skills, plus an ability to work blah, blah, in, in China. Uh, there's just countless opportunities. Uh, there's not a specifically, unfortunately, uh, as far as I'm aware, just an individual job website that's this job website or this section of this website is all about foreigners with Chinese skills. Uh, wanna, you have to be a bit more proactive and, and hunt people out. But then again, if you want a good job, um, they sort of expect that sort of thing, I suppose. So anyway, there's uh, Heath. There's there's so many opportunities that you know you just have to hunt a little bit, and you'll find it. Um, the next one here is from Jean Clayton. Um, she says, "Do you have a book explaining this method, meaning the hands and moving method, the character learning method, so I don't have to flip between the videos?" Um, I'm not doing the lessons often enough to understand it, and I prefer books to videos, surprisingly. That is surprising, and we're a video course, so it's not ideal. But we do have a book called The Hands and Moving Method, uh, Learn Any Character uh, in Less Than One Minute. Uh, and that's available from our resources section of our website. So if anyone else is just a book learner, that's free as well. You can have it. You know, we've just, you know, we, share, we just shared the technique for anyone that needs it. Um, and there's obviously way we connect to lots of videos from the book, but they're all freely available on our YouTube channel. So it's all YouTube connected. But uh, obviously, that's just mainly for people to get a rough idea. And if they want, they want to be an autodidact, they can go and apply that to their own character list. But it's obviously way more convenient and easier long term to just watch the videos. Um, Kim Thomas bonus on this will put you again. This is from the rapid acquisition crash course. She says, uh, "Can I pre-order the ebook? Also, this learning via the hands and moving method is brilliant. By the way, I've always struggled with textbooks and classroom. Hence, I never went back to either since leaving uni. Yeah, lots of people struggle with that because it's rubbish. <laughs> uh, I was skeptical about this blueprint until I was on my morning walk and I was listening to the MB podcast on Spotify." Something was mentioned about the character Ban. I, I imagine you mean half, right? Then on cue, I was able to play a movie in my head, recall the character and the meaning and the tone, and it literally stopped me in my tracks. Thank you, Phil and Luke. That's awesome. Yeah, when you realise it actually works, um, fantastic. Um, yeah, can I pre-order the ebook? She's referring to the ebook that we just brought out, Mastering Mandarin in the Modern World. Um, so that is now available again from our website. 
I believe on the home page and the resources page. So you can go and purchase that if you like. Um, it, there's a description of what's in the book in the actual um, thing, but there's lots of resources in there and a general guide on how to learn Mandarin. Uh, okay, so Charles Siegel on Make a Movie for Si says, what do you suggest for characters that I already know? For example, one of the first things I did when learning Chinese was to learn numbers. So when I look at si, num number four, I know the meaning is si and the, uh, sorry, the, the opinion is si and the meaning is four. That's fine. Then skip it. Just like I said earlier for, I can't remember his name, someone earlier on in the podcast. If you already know the characters, as long as you know the method, you know, you've you got the method, no worries. Just skip that character. In fact, even if you don't know the method yet, just skip it. <laughs> it's fine. If you know it, you know it. It's definitely in there. You can always just keep reviewing the card anyway on your flashcards just to make sure you don't forget it. All right. Next, we've got uh, Al. Al on Conversation Connectors. He says, so here I am starting again at level 13. So Al smashed through um, and made movies for the first 440 uh, characters at level 29. And then he went back and decided to read the sentences uh, from the uh, from the uh, from the actual it's a word and vocab unlocked lessons properly again, um, which is an interesting approach. A lots of people have done that in, in the past actually, um, and I think a lot of people prefer just to smash their way through the characters separately and then go back and then and, and then do all the uh, longer form stuff like learning words and sentences and things like that. Um, and he says he's been diligently studying uh, in, in uh, the movies the characters in an effort to eliminate a large portion of the drop down aspects of learning the sentences so now that i'm back here at the more basic level i'm finding that this has helped a lot with being able to read just read the sentences more na naturally and understand them as is without having to look down at the glossary no idea at this point if i'll continue to maintain such a widespread between how far i move ahead with the character studying and the sentences but at the moment it seems to be working well for me i got the idea to try doing it this way as I was not at all enjoying the process of having to look away from the sentences to read up on the characters I didn't know. I guess one could say it wasn't as much fun for me doing it that way, moving forward. Yeah, that's fine. I, I completely get that. It's much. It's actually um, much nicer overall to be able to read stuff that you fully understand, right? The reason why we put the sentences in there early, uh, as, as early as we think is reasonably possible, is, is because it gives you that idea of, oh my goodness, I can basically understand the message of this sentence. Now, you technically don't need to understand every single character to understand the message, especially if you have a glossary right there. So we wanted to be, give people that buzz of basically reading Chinese without help, without much help, um, as soon as possible. And then the sentences are there for you to review in your flashcards and they'll keep coming up. And every time they come up, like in larger and larger intervals, you know, you've you've increased your knowledge by that point of the characters, and and so each time you have a deeper understanding. That was our thinking behind that, anyway. So, I I, I highly recommend uh, doing a similar approach to what Al's doing here. Smash your way through the course. You know, glance at the sentences, especially in the you know, phases one to four, um, and then maybe go back and uh, look at the sentences again. Obviously, they they're going to be in your flashcards anyway, so it's not one hundred percent necessary, but. Uh, each to their own. Um, again, from Al, he just, as a follow-up, he says, so an interesting thing happened. Uh, I've been going through this section page by page and reading through each lesson and the accompany accompanying instructional, instructional information for the past couple of hours. And it's now time for my short morning workout. 
on my Versa climber. I decided I wanted something to keep my mind occupied while I did my short workout, so I dug up a Pimsleur lesson on my phone and let it play while I did my stair-stepping routine. It's been the better part of a year since the last time I heard a Pimsleur lesson. So the lesson plays. It's a dialogue about kids living and working in Boston. Boston. Yeah, I remember that, actually. I, I also smashed uh, really smashed Pimsleur. I did so many hours of that. Um, an interesting thing happened as I listened to the voice actors. In my mind's eye, I would see the Hanzi, the character for the sentences, display as I heard the words spoken. At least I would see the ones I've heard so far. It was a bit of a trip. That's, that's the second person that's talking about visualizing the characters. Um, it is a trip. It's very awesome. Um, Darren, on the casting call lesson, he says, I just learned a couple of actors ago how much easier scenes are when you pick a person you know from real life. I find that any scene with myself in it makes it really hard to picture celebrities. Hmm. I don't know how tall they are, etc. So it makes interacting with them harder. I can still do it, but there's just that little bit of fuzziness. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know that y'all gave that advice earlier in the method to pick real people. I just wanted to reiterate you were totally right. As All that said, I find that it's worse when I pick real people who st I still interact with as I'm actively involving them in too many memories that are new and aren't MB, so it throws me off. I completely get that, Darren. I think, personally, I think it's a, it's a, it's a toss-up between... There's different advantages. I think, I think overall, people you really know are better actors overall but there's a lot of advantages that say um just generally actors have uh that real people in your life don't namely they're much more interesting or at least like not <laughs> that sounds really harsh um you know like people like robert downey jr i mean you look at that guy's life all the stuff that he's got up to you know you can apply so much of that uh, and his expressions and his humor and his uh, sort of charisma. You could, they have, you know, I'll be honest, you know, there's not many people in my life that have the same level of charisma as Robert Downey Jr. or Heath Ledger or something like that, you know. So they do have that. Uh, and also occasionally, even though technically it's, it's a character, but I, I often bring in characteristics of that person into the scene, like the roles they've played and things like that. Um, so, which is kind of a bit, kind of goes against the rules, but we made up the rules after I already did the method. So, but yeah, I'd have like Robert Downey Jr. in his Iron Man suit or something like that, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, you get the point. I, I, but overall, yeah, you have the emotional, uh, context with people that you know, and you just know them physically and emotionally and, you know, mentally so much better. And that does overall make it more effective. Um, Maximilian Scholler on Problem Initial J, he says, wow, I'm currently self-learning with what I and many others would say are the best German language Chinese books currently on the market. But what they didn't have any emphasis on were exactly these correct pronunciation guides. I used the whole mouth and wondered why reproduced sounds didn't come out right. Great stuff. Instant improvement. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, I didn't want to go on and on about the the tongue positions without enough theory, uh, without actual a practical application, but just a little tip of where to put your tongue and what to focus on, how to breathe. And stuff like that. It just helps so much. Um, so I'm glad that that helped you. Another one quickly from <laughs> Maximilian is on the U pronunciation. He just says, I'm just glad that I'm German right now. 
umlaut FTW. FTW, I think that means F the world. Is that right? Um, umlaut, yeah. So the the German language also has the U in it naturally. So Germans just don't need to even think about it. So lucky one there, Maximilian. Uh, Christmas, that's an awesome name. Uh, Brookens. Uh, pick a prop for Dan. Can I pick the Japanese flag? It is the land of the rising sun. Yeah, I mean, usually we don't suggest picking things that are technically 2D pictures because often, you know, like, so, oh, I'm going to picture, I don't know, a drawing that I saw or a painter, but, you know, it's such a simple and vibrant image of that white with the red dot, you know. Um, and I guess also it would work with like, if you like, I want to imagine the Mona Lisa painting. It's such an iconic painting that is, yeah, you're, yeah, you're obviously not going to imagine every detail, but you're going to know it's the Mona Lisa, aren't you? Um, so that's absolutely fine. Uh, another one from Heath has a very good point here, which I really like. It's, more, it's not really a point. It's more like a, a motivational speech. It's, it's great. He says, like exercising or any habit you want in in your life, I uh, yeah. I have found that it is important to build it into my daily routine. I have young kids, so at six thirty a.m. So a six thirty a.m. start has been normal for about ten years now. I get up, make coffee, and practice Anki for forty-five minutes. Then I do another forty-five reviewing things I haven't remembered properly or learn some new words. Excellent idea, doing your reviews and getting it out of the way in the morning. By the way. I aim for two hours a day, so I usually do another 30 to 60 minutes in the afternoon after work and then walk the dog and start getting dinner ready. I'm too tired to do it after dinner, so I have to make it happen at the start of the day. Excellent. That's pretty much exactly what I do, or I did, and I still do today. Um, I keep thinking of something I heard once, that everyone in history had the same 24 hours in a day you had. So how are you going to fill yours? That's great. <laughs> that's really good that's an excellent point yeah well done he thanks for that um Della that's something that Phil would say I think that's a very Phil thing to say I like that how are you going to fill yours yeah that's really good uh Della Fuller on new vocabulary unlocked I love that gambe means dry glass in other words drink this glass dry yeah it's a great word gambe means cheers in Chinese um Moira it's been a while Moira uh, I ended up falling way behind with my Mandarin what with unholy levels of overtime during lockdown. Uh, came back to my Anki deck after about a month, and this was the first word to pop up. Rensh, meaning to know. I couldn't remember what it meant, but the correct pronunciation popped right out. Very encouraging. And as I get back to this, I can confirm the method works. Again, she's talking about the pronunciation, uh, sorry, the uh, character learning method. <laughs> Oh, this is a great comment. I love this comment, guys. This is it's another one from Alex. In fact, Phil sent me to this, sent this to me rather on WeChat when he saw it. Uh, he says, wow, that was so cool. <laughs> Got them all. Though for 早上,早上十点半,我吃了一个半面包. Uh, I went for, in the morning at 10.30, I eat dry bread, which I thought was an acceptable guess at the time. Obviously, it's uh, it's not quite right, but it's it's pretty darn close. Um, thank you so much for everything so far. I always said to people, nah, no way, when it came to learning the characters. Yes, me too. <laughs> I said the exact same thing. I'm just in it for the speaking. Ain't no one got time for Hanses, mate. 
<laughs> so you <laughs> so you've both completely changed my perception on learning Chinese and this holistic approach is truly wonderful. And I can't believe that less than a month into this you've got us to the point of reading purely in characters, understanding them and with the right tones. Well, maybe need to be understood by the locals first. I'm sure you you I'm sure you're going to have pretty darn good tones if not perfect. Uh, anyhow, anyhow, bravo and sissy. Oh, that's just an awesome comment, Alex. Thank you. Maybe genuinely uh, smile, genuinely smile, and uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm happy you're enjoying it, mate. Um, lots of, lots of feedback on that today. I love it. Lots of feedback on those. Oh, I'm reading Chinese. <laughs> that sort of feeling. It's, it's fantastic. All right. So that is the end of the general sort of comments that we've had this week and emails. Uh, let's move on to some movies. So for those that you don't know. Um, there's just click on the link in the show notes. Um, if you listen to this on YouTube, uh, you can actually uh, just go to the website, the mandarinblueprint.com slash podcast, find the podcast, and there'll be links in the show notes to explain what we're doing here. So the movies are how we learn characters. We make movie scenes in our minds, and these are proven techniques that memory champions use, memory athletes, uh, to memorize stuff. So what we do is we have lots of awesome comments of people sharing their movies with us uh, and they, or they share them with the community, the other learners on the Mandarin Blueprint Method forum or platform rather. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not just, it's just, it's, it's a way to help other people. But it's also a way to show off your awesome uh, scenes that you enjoy. So let's share some today, uh, starting with uh, Natalia. She says, for make a movie for Yuan. Now, I particularly like to choose characters because obviously we get so many of these scenes every week because everyone on the course is, you know, people are so awesome on the course and they want to help. Um, but we can't obviously read all of them in one lesson. So I like to particularly choose, uh, usually, the characters that have a rather abstract definition. And the more abstract definitions are, the more mental energy it can take to sort of transmute it into a visual a visual uh, situation in your mind right so i really admire and like that's the ones i like to share because those are the ones that people need to see the most i think um so natalia has a move make a movie for yuan uh yuan sorry which is um uh it has a few different meanings but the meaning that we've chosen is beginning um so which is obviously very abstract let's see how natalia handles it Andy, that's her actor, uh, is in his kitchen, AN location, reading the Bible. In the beginning was the word. Ah, Genesis. As soon as he reads the sentence, Yahweh materializes next to him. He's so tall. <laughs> Andy has to stand on stilts, that's the first prop, to be the same height. They make small talk about music and decide to play chopsticks on the piano. Except Yahweh doesn't remember the beginning. So instead, he just beats the rhythm with a pair of chopsticks. That's the second prop. Uh, they are having such a good time. It looks like the beginning of a beautiful friendship. So you, again, a lot of people do this, and it's really, it's really uh, good. It's a, it's a solid technique of, of, you know, mentioning or showing the keyword more than once and referring to it in, in, on several different levels. Not just visually, but also using puns and things like that. Ija is one of our clients, uh, one of our long-term clients. She loves doing puns, very high-quality puns, I might add. Um, and I'm a big fan of them as well. So 
yeah, uh, so really good job, Natalia, um, for a rather um, rather abstract term. So you could actually show the Bible there as well. Something. So it's always good to have a, a very clear visual element in whatever you're trying to do. Uh, but you know, you've got God sitting there. So, <laughs> I mean, God is, is technically the beginning of everything, right? The Alpha and Omega. So that works very well. Uh, next one is Dom Thompson, who is also... Uh, top level top level movie maker uh he says make a movie for fung which means wind so i guess that's fairly visual but let's see what he's got anyway um freddie flintoff outside the eng set he's trimming a hedge with garden shears which is the center component a prop when a strong wind lifts him off his feet a giant cherry pie floats in the air above him he stabs the shears into the bottom of the pie and holds on for dear life a bit of thought process here. I like that. I like scenes that can distill down to one visual snapshot, rather than a casual chain of events. In this scene, I might as well ignore the hedge; that'll be forgotten. But the image of Freddy clinging to the garden shears, hanging from a giant pie as wind blows him off his feet, is quite vivid. That is great. And I, I, do you know what? I haven't thought about this for a long time, but I remember when we filmed it, that's something that I actually put into words several times. So maybe you've seen this or maybe you haven't, but I do mention, uh, yeah, that's what I call it, a Kodak moment. I just remember putting it in there. So if you can, rather than have, like like uh, Dom says, like an, a, a rather convoluted string of different things that lead into each other, you know, which is can be very entertaining and, and very effective, but it can also be a lot of tax. It's, it's quite taxing to remember. And you might forget one of the steps, and you know, it's always good to have to be able to condense everything into your Kodak moment or visual snapshot. Um, so you can just you just got that scene of you know, he, for example, here he's got the shears in the pie oh, being blown in the air. Perfect. That's it's a very good point. Um, if I were to forget any part of this, it would be either the actor who was hanging from the shears or the pie. What was he hanging from? Cherry juice can be splattered off the pie and getting all over his cricket whites. That should make these two aspects more solid. The set is quite memorable here as the entrance is a stone archway that would funnel wind perfectly. Dom, that you've got a great analysis there as well. I think, I mean, um, yeah, I think that's you're really on the right track here. I think, could you be one of our teachers one day? <laughs> um that's great. Well done, mate. Um, George Laura on, I, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, just George. Uh, oh, that's my son's name. That's, my, that's what we called him. Um, Zong, meaning always. Again, always is rather abstract. So how are we going to handle this? Let's see. In the living room of my ONG location, Monty Python's rehearsal um, of The Life of Brian, brilliant, is ongoing. At the cross, we see hanging Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg, sorry, with devil's horns, a big mouth and a gigantic heart. And altogether, sing, sing, sorry, always look on the bright side of life. That's, yeah, that's really good. Um, using music to visualize, or and that's not visualize, is it? Because it's not visual, but you know what I mean. Uh, conceptualize, concrete, concrete, make make concrete um the abstract uh definition very effective um it would also when you've got several components you've got three components in very close proximity it's a good way to make just make sure that they're being interacted with or moving or maybe you're doing a close-up with your eyes you know your camera as it were 
on them just to make sure you don't forget all three components there the mouth the heart and the horns um, but fantastic idea uh, natalia again she says this is for wan uh, andy and wolverine meet in andy's kitchen um the a and location again so this is using the same character this is a, a callback to the chunking that i mentioned earlier so Yuan is the character that we Natalia went through, and immediately that that Yuan character chunks with, uh, not yeah, this it combines with uh, it chunks into its own prop. Um, what did she use for the the prop for it? Uh, Wolverine is constantly cheating and finally hides his chess king, and replaces it with a piece of apple pie. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what her reasoning was for choosing apple pie to represent the UN prop, but she has a reason, and that's all that matters. Um, as long as it makes sense to her, why that apple pie is there, then that's that's fine. I can't personally think off the top of my head why though, but it doesn't matter. Um, so she has chunked that UN character as a prop into a single object, which is an apple pie, and then it's combined with the uh, chess king. Um, to make a new character, Wan, which means to play. So Andy and Wolverine are meeting to play chess. Wolverine is constantly cheating and finally hides his chess king and replaces it with a piece of apple pie to avoid being checkmated. Andy reminds him to play fair, then announces a checkmate and gets to eat the apple pie as well. Well played. Yes, and I can imagine sort of, um, yes, I can even imagine Wolverine uh, just sort of saying that with this sort of stroking his chin, like, well played, sir. So here's another one from Dom. Uh, I'm, he started to put director's commentary. Is this a new thing you're doing, Dom? Because I really like it. <laughs> He's got like director's commentary, like explaining his thought process behind it. And this is something that um, I encourage other people to do. Because uh, again, the whole point of these scenes is to help other people, right? And I think, I mean, how can you help other people more than explaining your thought process behind choosing things maybe that want immediately obvious but obviously i understand if you don't want to do it because it's quite time consuming but either way um much appreciated dom so this is to uh learn the character for in which means silver uh which is made up of a metal component and uh, the right side component i'm not sure what we've chosen for the prop let's have a look so ivanka trump is standing in the kitchen with a gold bar gleaming on the counter next to her the police storm in and demand she returns the gold she stole ivanka Give, give us the gold back. Ivanka panics and grabs a baseball bat. Okay, that's the right side component. She whacks the gold bar and transforms it into silver. Uh, this isn't gold, it's silver. There you go, done. And the director's commentary is this. This scene has the advantage of being simple and a bit ridiculous. Has the advantage. I think it'll stick because I find it quite funny. That said, I generally try to avoid using magic if I can. If something is to randomly transform or appear out of thin air, it's tricky to remember what randomly appeared uh, or what something transformed into. That's absolutely correct. If there's no vaguely sensible causation, it could have been anything. I think this one might work as gold is related to Ivanka and the gold and silver are related to each other. And, and also gold and silver is incredibly visual. Um, and you could also do that, just fix that and make it a little bit stronger with the sound effect as well. It's like a ding as it transforms, something like that. Uh, if the meaning was bread and the gold randomly transformed into bread, it would be a poor scene. I completely agree. 
Yes, and we do mention something like that again somewhere in the videos because uh, there's so many videos, I can't remember exactly where. Maybe you haven't got to it yet, but this is something that I remember reading in Dominic O'Brien's book, or one of his many books that he's written about this. And it's the idea of these scenes is to be somewhat connected to reality. <laughs> I know that seems crazy when you've got like Shakira, you know, twerking in your in your living room with your auntie you know it's <laughs> whatever it is that you're imagining and gold and transforming into silver and you but you, what, what i mean is within the realms of physical possibility of how the laws of nature work in reality right um so the idea is that you're tricking your brain into thinking this is real your part of your brain actually thinks this has actually happened to you that's why they're so effective so you remember these scenes just as you remember you know your school bully or your first kiss or whatever it is you know you these memories that have a strong emotional connection so um yeah so they've but if you if you make them too fanciful like things just appearing your brain is like it's, it's like why well, the suspension of disbelief is not there and your your brain just sort of switches off um, and doesn't really quite remember it as effectively. Or, you know, that's not scientifically proven or anything, but it just tends to be what happens. So uh, really intuitive thinking there, Dom. Thanks for that. Um, Kate Gans on Make a Movie for Year, which means uh, page, uh, as in a page of a book. She says, my E character is in the bathroom of my E set, as in the letter E. Uh, and the YI character actor. She is reading a book and finds a beautiful illustration of a conch shell. She takes a razor blade and cuts the photo out of the page. As she is leaving and washing up, a drop of, drop of water lands on the page. She exclaims, oh no, this page is ruined. Right, yeah, that's absolutely fine with me. Um, I do like uh, 3D things, like so maybe just to solidify that, just uh, for the for the listeners there, it might be a good idea to actually have the conch shell jump out of the page at some point and be real 3D object, just in case, because often, like I said earlier, 2D images can often be <clears throat> sort of forgotten, and it's just a piece of paper with some image on it that you can't really remember anymore. That can often fade away, because again, our brains are built for remembering objects, not necessarily uh, pictures, 2D images, right? because they're a relatively new invention in our in our world, aren't they? Uh, okay, so the next one here is from... But yeah, thanks, thanks, uh, Kate. This, this is still a really nice story, a really nice scene. Uh, I'm just sort of... I, I like, you know me, I like to be picky and, and uh, uh, make tweaks for other people. I'm sure it works well for you. Um, Jeffrey Herzog on Make a Movie for Draw, as in Table, he says, The Joker is standing outside of my dorm laughing as he aims a magic wand at the sun and brings it down on the tree, burning it until only a table is left. Then he takes the wand and jams it into the table like a mob scene when the pencil and the table from the dark night. That's fantastic, mate. Really, really well done. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's really, really good. That's an example of... And that's another example of maybe using how how you know movie actors characters can can be much more effective than say uh, real people because you can use them their movie scenes and things like that. Um, awesome, Phil uh, Chalinor, make a movie for the or the or day. I think yeah, day. Sorry, this is uh, the day as in like have to. It has several pronunciations. David Bowie is in the bathroom of my EI set. He has a rooster on one arm and a ruler 
in the other and he's flustered saying he must measure out an area for a pen for the rooster because it needs its own space to live in. That's really nice. Very clear, very short. Um, yeah, and that's also very memorable. And I can imagine his, you, you know, it's, it's, it's such an abstract meaning and there's lots of um, props, there's three props rather, but I think you've handled that rather well as long as you show his clear expression of that, you know, I have to, I must, like you show that clearly on his face, that's, that's great. Um, let's have a look here. Uh, Richard Krauss on Make a Movie for Fung, Fung, right? Yeah, like means abundance, yes, I remember now. Uh, so Phil is with the three stooges. So Phil, I imagine, is that is that Phil, like our Phil? Uh, you've chosen for your uh, F actor. With the three stooges, that's the representation of the number three within this character, ringing, ringing the doorbell outside of my England bedsit. But wait, there are four stooges. Shemp has muscled in on Curly, Larry and Moe. Phil is annoyed <laughs> there are only three stooges curly larry and mo are abundant enough it is abundantly clear that nobody likes shemp phil then hits and pushes shemp away with his stick uh, the original three stooges then hold the stick together uh, to show solidarity with phil I, I, it's a really funny scene part of me thinks that this is maybe not quite visually like the visual representation of abundant is not quite enough it's more uh verbally shown and it's always nice to do it um it's always nice to do it uh some visual even if it doesn't make much sense so for example just off the top of my head instead of push just pushing him away they try to push him away but as they push him he actually he he separates into like different copies of himself and it's actually every time they try and push him away he multiplies and multiplies and multiplies and it just goes worse and worse for the three stooges just off that'd be I think just a nice way of just showing that idea of abundance clearly, uh, which is highly recommended um, in every scene. Some sort of visual representation, um, despite the fact that I do really like your your verbal representation, it might not be enough when it comes down to remembering it over the long term. Um, Della, for Make a Movie for Dual, as in to lose, she says, my deactress is impatiently waiting just outside the underground parking for our gym or community center because there is a newly installed stoplight stubbornly stuck on red. She looks at her watch and knows that soon she will lose her appointment with her trainer. Enraged, she finally gets out of the car and cuts down the light with her samurai sword. That's great. No, there's nothing to add to that, I don't think. Um, I think, oh uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you could, uh, again, it's it's more of a, I'm losing an appointment. It's not really that much of a com like a concept that's very, very common. Um, it's usually better to, like, show her losing an object and she's frantically looking for it, you know. Um, so she looks at her watch and she knows it. But again, it's not, it's not too far off. It's not too far off. I just, again, just like I said for... Um, Richard's scene previously I think some sort of visual representation maybe she loses her samurai sword she yeah she goes to cut down the light that's it she goes to cut down the light and she lifts her hands with nothing in it and she's like swinging at nothing and then she's like where's my samurai sword and then she starts touching her pockets and looking and rummaging through the car at this stoplight I think that would be again a, just a small tweak but showing a loss because that's what dual actually means it means losing an object of some kind right 
So just another quick tip for you there, Della. But uh, again, again, the general concept is is not bad at all. Um, Phil, uh, again, Phil Chalinor on Make a Movie for Zui. He says, Zui uh, means the most, by the way, most. He says, I've got Zeus in the bathroom of my AEI set, rather. Um, there's an ATM machine in the wall and a sun above it. Zeus is bragging, declaring that everyone under the sun shall see that he is able to take the most money from an ATM machine. Again, yeah, that's not bad, but it's it's uh, again showing that visually. This would be uh, this would be a great opportunity to bring in the idea of extras. Uh, do you remember that? I don't know if you've seen it at this point in the course yet, Phil. But extras is something that um, we came up with, which is you've got Zeus, right? Um, you could bring uh, an extra for Zeus might be Aphrodite. Or another god, a Greek god, right? Is it Greek? Yes, it's Greek, isn't it? Um, you bring in other gods, and he's maybe having a contest with another one or two gods or people or anyone else related to the set or the actor. And they pull out a little wad, and then Aphrodite maybe pulls out a bigger wad, and then Zeus just pulls out this huge pile, and he's the winner. Um, and you know, it's, it, you've got that visual Kodak moment, that snapshot of the three like you know the, the comparison of all three just to just to make sure you have that visual to take away as dom said earlier um and one more movie for today just throwing another one from della here uh make a movie for tss, she, which means word which again is very tough it's a very tough one like how do you how do you visualize word right let's see how della handles it uh, my family and I are in shock and disbelief to see Clint Eastwood in the kitchen of our childhood home, sitting on an excavator, holding a microphone. We ask him what he's doing, and he replies, just waiting for the word to start these, start tearing this place down. You might want to start packing. I love Clint Eastwood. I'm, I haven't seen many of the older films, unfortunately. I'm not, so I don't, obviously don't love him that much, but... Um, but I imagine that's a quote from one of his Western movies, right? If that's correct, and you love that, and you remember that exact quote, that's going to be absolutely fine, Della. That's a, that's a really good one. Um, it obviously wouldn't work for me, because I don't know the quote, and I don't know him well enough as an actor. Um, but you obviously do, and that, that's why it'll work. So well done. Um, and just one final thing here, just on sets. I just, I just wanted to mention this. Uh, because it was just entertaining to read. I thought you guys might want to also read it. So we hardly ever talk about sets because there's only a few of them um, and it's not a very common comment we get when it's related to sets. But uh, this one from Charles Siegel, um, just thought I'd throw this in here. He says, for sets, I've been using places I've lived over the years and with Google Maps, I've been able to locate them all plus get an image of the street, uh, sorry, using the street view. Some of these places I literally haven't thought about in decades, and now here they are. Wild. Talk about emotional resonance. I mean, that's great. I, that's something that I never did, Phil never did. But uh, go ahead and try that out, guys. I, I really like that idea. So thank you, Charles, for that insight. And thank you, everyone, uh, today for taking the time to listen. As usual, if you've, if you've listened this far and you aren't on our method, uh, on our course, and you haven't tried our course, go to the go to the website and start a seven-day free trial. It's also, you know, there's a 30-day guarantee. We'll give you your money back. So it's technically, technically 37 days of absolutely full, unrestricted access to all of our materials um, before you have any real commitment. Um, and so, you know, that's how confident we are that you'll enjoy it. If you're wanting to learn Chinese or you think you might be able to, it's really not that tough anymore. 
uh, thanks to the Mandarin Blueprint method. So, uh, and again, thank you everyone uh, for your comments. I hope you've enjoyed today and I will speak to you in a couple of weeks with a nice little plaster on my face covering up my new scar. <laughs> so thank you very much, guys, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye.